How are you now? <laughs> How I got an episode for you. The first, how are you now? Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's <laughs> faculties are still about them. After that game, your Montreal Canadiens lose. And I'm not going to tell you the score because uh, I, I got to do this one recap style. I got to give the score at the end. But they lose to the Florida Panthers. Hello and welcome to episode uh, 69. Nice of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I'm Matt Drake. And that was one of the most ridiculous, hilarious hockey games that I've had the pleasure of sitting down and watching in a very long time. This game had fucking everything that you could ask for from a comedy standpoint. Like, if, especially in a tank season, like, if this was a game that actually mattered, if this was a game where, like, the Habs were fighting for a wild card spot or, or fighting for first place, I know it sounds funny to even think about given how this season has gone. If it mattered in terms of the playoff picture for the Montreal Canadiens, I would have been pissed off, super pissed off. But it doesn't, so you get to sit back instead and just try to take it all in and enjoy it. And holy shit, did this game deliver just in the first 20 minutes, man. This game starts out, and on the very first shot of the game, it's Josh Anderson in the neutral zone. He spots Mike Matheson on the left side with nobody over there. The Panthers just aren't covering that side whatsoever. So he throws it over. Matheson, easy skate through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone. He fires one, far side, <clears throat> beats Sergei Bobrovsky, and it's one nothing on the very first shot of the game. That set the tone, folks. That set the tone, and then this period just went buck wild from that point. Like two minutes later, not even. It gets evened up. Johnny Kovacevic just completely lost in the defensive zone. Eric Stahl finds Colin White out in front. He gets an easy one past Samuel Montembeau, and it's 1-1. And then right after that, I think it, I don't even think they finished announcing the goal yet. Zone entry for the Panthers. Sam Bennett feeds Carter Verhage in the slot. He puts it in 2-1. The Panthers had three shots and two goals. The Habs had one shot and one goal. Four total shots and three goals already. You know this thing's about to get nuts. And then not even six minutes into the period, right? Not even six minutes in. Anthony Richard, uh, he's coming up the wall, like towards the point uh, from the outside hash mark. He just turns and puts a prayer on net. Like, I don't even think he thought that this was going to go in. I think he was just trying to put something towards the net. And it gets through. It beats Sergei Bobrovsky, and it's 2-2. Two to two. Again, they have not even finished announcing the Anthony Richard goal. And the Panthers go get another one back. This time it's Gustav Forsling. Takes a pass at the point. Little snap through traffic and makes it 3-2. to two. What the fuck is happening? What's going on? And then more. Alex Belzil. He kind of... He's off to the left side of the net in the face-off circle. He kind of chips one on net. Michael Pizzetta's doing a bit of a flyby, kind of coming out of the corner there. And he just tries to put a tip on it. And guess what? He tips it directly into the net. And it's 3-3. Three to three. The Habs have three shots on goal. And they've all gotten through Sergei Bobrovsky. We're tied up. We're not even halfway through the period. And there's six goals on the board. Now, not long after that, there's a missed point shot by the Panthers. It gets kind of one of those backboard rebounds out to the other side uh, and then it gets put back to Aaron Ekblad at the point who was the same player who missed the initial point shot and his second shot gets deflected by Rafael Harvey Pinar and beats Samuel Montembeau upstairs 4-3 to three is the score for the Florida Panthers at this point 
they take Samuel Montabo out of the net and put in Jake Allen. We're barely past the 10-minute mark, and there's seven goals on the board, and the Habs have already had to execute a goalie change. Now Jake Allen in net, he doesn't fare any better whatsoever. Point shot by Radko Gudis. Looks like it got tipped on the way by Victor Lomberg. It goes in. It's 5-3. to three. Shortly after that, mad scramble in the Panthers' zone. Around eight minutes to go. There was a hit on Caden Gooley uh, by Radko Gudis, right? Michael Pizzetta and Victor Lombard are kind of going after each other. It looks like there's a fight that's about to break up. And the ref has his hand up and he's going to signal. He's signaling a penalty. He's going to blow his whistle for it. But the puck goes all the way down to the other end. Sam Reinhardt tucks one in. And the whistle goes before Sam Reinhardt tucks that puck in. This is where I would have been really pissed off if this game actually mattered for the Montreal Canadiens. Because if you watch that game, you heard the whistle probably a good two seconds before Sam Reinhardt tucks it in. And then the rest get together, they talk about it a little bit, and they go, yeah, puck went in before the whistle. No, it fucking didn't. <laughs> it absolutely didn't. You didn't need like an extensive replay. All you needed to do was just rewind your television and watch it again, and you can hear the whistle before the puck goes in. Clear as day. It wasn't even close. But they give him the goal anyways. They give it to him anyway. So again, I would have been pissed off if this game mattered. But honestly, it was comical to me at this point because the officiating turned into a shit show just as much as the game did. And now it's 6-3 to three in favor of the Florida Panthers. And then right after that, <laughs> again, I don't think they finished announcing the goal. Carter Verhage takes a shot. Uh, from the goal line, basically. It was a rebound off the backboards, and he basically just takes a whack at it. I swear that puck was actually touching the goal line when he hit it, and he beats Jake Allen. Now it's 7-3 to three for the Florida Panthers. Holy shit. What a period of hockey. I have not seen 20 minutes of hockey that nuts in a long time. And again, I would have been probably screaming at my television if this game mattered for the Habs, but it doesn't. So I was sitting here laughing my ass off watching all of this happen. Uh, If I'm a Florida Panthers fan, I'm looking at this team right now and I'm going, man, you're not going to do well in the playoffs. Yeah, I know you you were up 7-3 to at the end of 20 minutes. You're probably, there's an argument there that you could feel pretty good about yourselves, but I would not. I would absolutely not, particularly when it comes to my goaltending. But I digress. We've still got 40 minutes of hockey to get through here. And at least from a goal standpoint, it did calm down a little bit, but not not quickly. Less than three minutes into the second period. Face-off win in the offensive zone for the Montreal Canadiens. It gets back to Justin Barron. He gets a shot. Raphael Harvey-Pinard gets a nice tip on it. It goes in, and now it's 7-4. to four. This game is on crack. Are the Habs actually going to make a comeback in this thing? But then, Chris Tierney, puck over the glass. He goes to the box for delay of game. Jake Allen makes an initial save down low, but Aaron Ekblad comes down from the point. He's hanging out right on the back door. He taps it in and makes it 8-4 to four for the Florida Panthers. And then, right after that, Matthew Kachuk comes screaming in on the right side on his off wing. Uh, kind of just reaches back, takes a shot. It might have been deflected on the way. I'm not entirely sure. But it beats Jake Allen and makes it 9-4. to four. For the Florida Panthers. And at that point, would you believe it? Samuel Montambo, who got pulled after allowing four goals in the first period, comes back in to replace Jake Allen, who has allowed five goals since coming in to replace Samuel Montambo. I cannot remember. I don't think I've ever actually seen the Montreal Canadiens replace their goalie in a game where they already had replaced that goalie with the other goalie. It's... <laughs> 
it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Somebody tweeted out like a, a parallel to uh, Patrick Roy when he got left in the net by Mario Tremblay for nine goals. I think it was nine goals anyways against the Detroit Red Wings, and that ended up being uh, Roy's last game as a Montreal Canadian. He famously quit the team on the bench by going over to Ronald Corey and telling him I'm fucking done. Um, <laughs> and that in this game. By the time they get to nine goals, they've executed two goaltender changes. Um, wild. Just wild. I've never seen anything like it. I honestly don't think I've ever seen the Habs do that once in my 33 years on this fucking planet. This is insane. This game is ridiculous. Not long after they make the goaltender change, right? It's not a goal this time. But they call a tripping penalty on Antony Richard, Okay. And if you haven't seen it yet, you can go to my Twitter. I've, I've got a highlight up of it. Anthony Richard did not touch the guy. It was Eric Stahl tripping his own teammate, and the refs gave the Panthers a power play anyways. You can't make this shit up. You, you literally can't. I've, I've never seen a game this much of a shit show. But anyways, the Habs managed to kill that one off. And then we go into the third period. Score again is 9-4. to four, And we actually go... A few minutes in the third period without a goal. Over five minutes, in fact. And just at the five-minute mark, the Panthers get their first penalty of the game. Wouldn't you know, the ref's really in their pocket in this game. And uh, (laughs) this time the Habs, they actually get one back. Mike Matheson gets the puck at the point. He's dancing around Florida Panthers. Comes down right around the outside hash mark and fires a beautiful pass all the way across to the other side to Rem Pitlick. He one-times that in. It's 9-5. to that's your final score. 9-5 to five in favor of the Florida Panthers. At the end of the game, there's one last thing that I do have to talk about. Nick Suzuki got a 5 in a game for a cross-check. Okay, and then they go to the replay. So the refs actually had to go and get the tablet out and review this thing to decide what they were going to give him because they already put him in the box. So you knew he was getting a penalty. But then they go and review it and they decide, they come out and they say, yeah, it's been confirmed. It's 5 in a game. And then I see the replay. And again, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go to my... <clears throat> Twitter account at DrakeMT. There I go, plugging my own Twitter again. And you can take a look. There's nothing there for a five in a game. This is the most ridiculous call I've seen in my life. So unless it was something else that the broadcast didn't catch and that they didn't replay for me, I cannot see for the life of me how that's five in a game. It looked like a love tap. I don't know what the fuck they were doing, but this was par for the course for these refs. They were ridiculous all game long. Man, they completely boggled this game and if it mattered again I would be upset and this would probably be one of my rants about the refs they were absolutely horrible in this game but I don't care it was fucking hilarious to watch all of this transpire in a game where goaltending appeared to be optional for the most part everything was going in and it there were large swaths of the game where it was completely sloppy like uninteresting hockey this was a pond hockey game without goaltenders I swear, I've played ODR games with no goalies in the net that had less scoring in the first 20 minutes than that game did. And this is a professional game with professional goaltenders and professional officials that looked like they belong in tight single A at best. I don't even know if tight single A exists anymore. It did when I was a kid. But I digress once more. Um, Wow. 9-5. to You'd think... Matt's going to have a little trouble picking himself a a silver lining out of that game, but you'd be wrong. Matt does not have any trouble picking a silver lining out of that game. And once again, my number one top of the line silver lining is going to have to be Mike Matheson. Um, He had two points in that game. 
And I, I really want to focus on that that second one, the assist that he had on the Rem Pitlick goal on the power play. What a play, man. He's dancing, dancing down from the blue line to go and create that. And puck on a string, uh, he was fantastic for the entire game, but that particular play just made me go, wow, how good is it going to be to have this guy out there when the team's actually good around him, when they can graduate some defensemen, when Caden Gooley has more experience, when Jordan Harris has more experience, when Arbor Jacki has more experience, when some of these players really start to improve and grow into their game in the NHL, and you expect as well the team's going to get better, and... They're going to have some uh, young defensemen coming up next season. Adam Engstrom scored a beautiful goal today in Sweden. Uh, you can check Pat Bexel's Twitter for that one. He's at Zeb underscore Habs. If you haven't seen that one yet, I'd say go check it out. Adam Engstrom might be a dark horse candidate to end up cracking the Habs roster next year. Logan Mayu is potentially, well, he's going to turn pro next year. He's potentially going to push for a roster spot with the Habs. There's a lot of interesting pieces on defense. I think they absolutely have to push to get David Savard and Joel Edmondson moved on out in the offseason, send them somewhere else, stack some assets, and start to build a defensive core that's kind of based around, you know, Mike Matheson, Caden Gooley, and the like. These guys are good. And Mike Matheson is an exciting player to watch, man. He's really good. Even the goal that he scored, <laughs> the first shot of the game, man. Um, yeah, he was pretty wide open there. They, they gave him way too much space. But for me, it was more the recognition because he stepped up like he was level with Josh Anderson on the rush there. And he recognized that the Panthers didn't just didn't have anybody on that left side. And he said, you know what? Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to hang out back in my own zone and just wait for something to happen. Fuck that. I'm going to get on my horse. I'm going to move up and we're going to see what happens. And sure enough, he gets the puck and he ends up scoring. Uh, this guy is the complete package offensively. He has some defensive lapses, sure, but again, if you can improve the defensive core around him and really build something that allows him to do what he does best, uh, I, I really think that they've got something there with Mike Matheson. So I'm glad they didn't trade him at the deadline. Um, I'm having a lot of fun watching him lately, and uh, man, this is another you know A1 game from him. Super, super impressed with what he's bringing, and uh, to look that good in a, in a game where your team gives up nine goals, it's not easy. So Mike Matheson, man, silver lining of the night, and what a game from him. Another silver lining, and this one's a little weirder, is Caden Gooley took a really weird spill into the end boards in this game. He was kind of tied up with uh, Colin White, and they go down. I don't think there was any maliciousness on Colin White's part. I don't think there was any penalty that should have been called there. But it just it was a really unfortunate way for him to go into the boards, and then he comes up clutching at his ankle, and you're like, oh, no. Please do not be injured. The last thing that we need is to have this guy injured again. And luckily, he came back to the game and didn't look any worse for wear. He looked pretty good. Um, not his best game ever. Uh, I think most of the defensemen on the Habs didn't have their best game ever. He gave up nine goals, right? But um, I thought he looked pretty good. And mostly, I'm calling this a silver lining because I was happy that he still looked like he was skating well after that really awkward fall into the boards. So that's good news. They managed to avoid another injury. Um, outside of those two, it, it's tough here. Um, I, I will say I felt like Samuel Montembeau rebounded well in his, his second stint in the net. Uh, they pulled him after the four goals. He comes back in and doesn't allow anymore. I think they said on RDS at one point that he made 20 straight saves, uh, which is usually not something that you talk about with goaltenders. You, you, you rarely hear, if a goaltender's playing well, you don't go, oh, well, he's made 15 straight saves. 
um, unless they were 15 straight shots without your team actually getting a shot in between. But again, I digress. I just felt like he he did a good job coming back into that game because Jake Allen, it was not his night. Um, I think they put him in there and they were kind of hoping that it was going to make a bit of a difference for him uh, and slow things down a little bit. And it absolutely did not. It did the polar opposite uh, and things just got worse. I will also add Rafael Harvey Pinar. I think he again deserves to be mentioned as a silver lining in this game. I still think he's playing extremely well. Um, he's getting to the right areas. He can get his stick on the puck no matter who's shooting it. Um, really good hand-eye coordination. He blocks a lot of shots. He's doing all of the little things that you need to do to solidify yourself as an NHL player. And this, is, again, brings me back to something I've said multiple times. I think he's a lock for next year's roster. I'd be very surprised if he's not out there on opening night for the Montreal Canadiens. I think you can build a bottom six with him in it that can be extremely effective and that can chip in offensively as well as provide some defensive responsibility. So uh, excited to see what, what, what this team looks like next year with some of these guys uh, really solidifying themselves with spots in the lineup. Anthony Richard, uh, he played well. Who else? Jesse Alonen, I thought he had a pretty decent game. Uh, Nick Suzuki had a, a decent game. I mean, of course, he got the five in a game at the end. Um, don't love to see that, especially when I can't figure out what the fuck they were calling it for. But, hey, what are you going to do? It's a 9-5 game. Um, this was one where you maybe, like, before the game, I said I'd like to get a dub tonight. You know? They do have the Habs, or the Panthers, rather. Uh, first round pick in this draft and the Panthers are slowly inching their way towards a playoff spot they might actually be tied for one um, as of me recording this I'm, I, I, you know what I'm not even going to go look at it it doesn't matter right but when I tweeted that out and I said hey I'd like to get a dub tonight a lot of people came back at me and said no we, we don't want the dub tonight because look at the the standings of where the Habs are right we kind of got to pick our poison here in terms of do we want do we really want to take two points off the Panthers that badly at the expense of potentially hurting our own draft lottery position. And I see the point of all those people that were coming at me about it because right now the Habs are in fifth last, right? Had they won this, they would have leapfrogged Philly and Arizona and they would have been in seventh last. I don't know, man. I, I, I'd definitely rather be in fifth. I'd rather be in that spot. I think you get a pretty good shot at Zach Benson if you're sitting there. And again, this is assuming that they don't move up in the lottery. And I understand the the viewpoint of the people who are saying, no, fuck that, Matt. We don't want to win this one. We want to lose. Um, and you know what? I'm sitting here afterwards. I'm not upset whatsoever that they lost. Again, it was fun. It was hilarious. It had bad officiating. It had a lot of goals. This is the kind of tank game that you want to watch. If they, if they can do exactly this for the rest of the season, I am at the very least going to have a very fun time watching those games. It might get frustrating to see it over and over and over again, but I, I got to say, uh, I, I found it, at the very least, I, I found it funny. And, um, you know, losing the game keeps them in fifth last. If a couple of teams behind them can start to win some games, Chicago actually is up on Nashville right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're up one nothing right now in the third period, so who knows? Uh, they might actually gain some ground today, if possible. Vancouver is playing against Arizona. So that's a game that we got to cheer for that one to get to overtime, if possible. That'd be fantastic if they could go to overtime and just get everybody above us a little bit of points there. Um, it, was a, it was a decent night for the tank. Not for that second pick that we've got with Florida, but a decent night for the tank overall. And again, just an incredibly entertaining watch from a fan standpoint. 
it's not often that you get to watch games where uh, the Habs have three goals on three shots in the first period, and then somehow they get to the end of the period and they're down seven to three. I checked for fun, and the record for one team scoring goals in the first period is actually held by the Montreal Canadiens. They scored eight goals in the first period against the Leafs in like 1996 or something. I don't know. It was a long time ago. I'm pretty sure. But it was eight. The the record for a single team is eight goals. So not only did we get to watch that super entertaining period, but the Florida Panthers were not even able to equal a record that was set by the very Montreal Canadiens that they were playing against. I love it. Um, What a game. I think I'm going to cut it off there. We're already over 20 minutes on this one. So it's soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. And uh, Tank Nation, let me talk to you for a minute because uh, I brought this up, I think, in the last episode. And the schedule is not getting any easier for the Montreal Canadiens. They've got a home-and-home home coming up now against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they got Saturday in Tampa, and then they bring it back to Montreal on Tuesday next week. Right after that, on Thursday next week, they've got the Bruins. So we got three pretty clear-cut losses coming up. I don't see them beating the Lightning. Maybe they take one, but with, I mean, there's it's not a back-to-back. So the travel is a wash there. It's not really going to hurt the Lightning. There's no time zone change. I really think this is going to be two losses for them, barring some kind of a miracle. The Bruins, that would shock me if they end up winning that one but then after that they play the blue jackets so i think that's the next game where they really have a good chance of winning uh which is next saturday um but other than that the rest of the schedule for the year is pretty rough sabers flyers eh, flyers that's mm, that one that one might be close uh and then panthers again hurricanes red wings capitals and red wings yeah red wings capitals leafs islanders bruins to close out the year. Um, yeah. I think there's a shot. They could climb up in that bottom five a little bit, but we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, again, soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Un match vraiment ridicule en tabarnak. I would love to see some more of that from here on out to the rest of the year. So, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Um, I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course... À la prochaine.